When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today I'm hoping you can find an anchor, an anchor for your soul. We have an anchor, and it is a person. The rehearsing of Israel's history is part of the teaching of the church. Um, we must learn Bible stories as Christians. Um, and maybe you heard them as kids, um, and it's good to hear them again. And maybe you didn't hear them as kids. That's becoming, and not just becoming, that is normal today to not lo- know a lot of Bible stories. Um, it's normal to not to hear a story and say, was that Moses or Noah? I can't remember. That's okay. Um, not everyone had the same uh, childhood, for sure. <laughs> That's for sure uh, about all of us. And so all of us have had different exposures to the stories of our faith. And it's important to tell these stories to people and not just to kids. Notice that um, the Bible stories being told today in the book of Hebrews are being told to grown-ups, to people who are there listening. Now, there probably were kids that would have heard this read aloud in church and discussed, but ultimately, these, these are Bible stories for grown-ups. And Bible stories for grown-ups are told in all their details. Um, when you tell the story of Noah's Ark as to kids, you know, there's sort of that desire to kind of soft pedal some of the the tough parts of the story which is the whole story that like god killed every single living being on the planet except for eight people and a bunch of animals um kind of hard to avoid that part of the story when you're telling the story of noah's ark and just like every bible story it's hard to ignore the big emotional and physical parts of the stories that are part of and integral to the stories. Last night at evening prayer, we read the story about Noah coming off the ark and immediately planting a vineyard and then immediately getting drunk and then immediately getting naked. Um, <laughs> this is like a real story about a real person named Noah. Um, and we can relate to that part of the story just maybe even better than the parts of the story that we know from childhood that Noah built an ark and was saved in the flood. So grown-up Bible stories are what the author of Hebrews is trying to get across to us. And he talks about Abraham's uh, covenant that was made between Abraham and God out in the desert. I will bless you and multiply you, God said to Abraham. And the the oath and covenant uh, that was made had needed some sort of uh, mediation power. But when you're God, you can't find anyone higher than you to swear the oath before. This is sort of how the divine hierarchy works. Hierarchy, hierarchy, um, comes from sacred, old sacredness, um, old holiness, arche, beginning, um, and holiness, uh, higher. Um, even today, Greek monks are called hieromonks, um, the sort of the, the the top monks. Hierarchy is part of uh, the divine order. It's what the author of Hebrews is talking about here. 
that God looked around and couldn't find anyone to swear an oath before. Here today, you go to a notary public and you can swear that that's your signature. Um, you might do this before a judge. Um, I promise to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. When you join the military or some other government organizations, there's an oath that you take um, to confirm your promise. And God couldn't find anyone higher than God's self. And so this covenant with Abraham, this, this relationship that begins with Abraham, is one that is guaranteed by an unchangeable oath that God swears by God's self. And this is the, the reason why we can trust God. God is not wishy-washy or flimsy. God does not, um, God does not uh, switch things around on us because God gets nervous or something like that. The ultimate trust that we put in God is placed on the fact that God has proven God's self time and time again to be faithful and and in ways that um, go beyond what we might think is adequate. For instance, in the story of Abraham, God made this covenant with Abraham when Abraham was old and childless and his wife Sarah was up in years as well, past the years of childbearing. And that is when the promise of God came to Abraham. And you can see why it needed to be a big deal promise, not just um, when you see a, a young couple that just got married and they're in their 20s and you say, oh, you're going to have a lot of kids. Um, this is God saying this to people in their 90s. Um, oh, you're going to have a lot of kids. And you have so many kids, they're going to be as many in number as the sands of the seashore and the stars of the sky. But this is the promise God made to Abraham, a promise that he swore by himself with. And this is the ultimate trust that we have in God that God is enough for God's self, that in the, before the dawn of time, before time was created, time is a created thing, just like we are. Before we were created, before time was created, God existed in a perfect union of love and joy in a way that we can't fully understand probably as limited humans. But God did not get lonely and say, man, I wish there were more people around here. I wish there were more angels around here. I wish there were more whatever around here. God wasn't needy or lonely uh, when God created the world. God created the world out of love, out of pure love, to, to include us in that love. And that is a big difference from the, the God who is lonely and God who is needy and God needs us. Um, in that kind of codependent way. God created us out of love because God wanted to include us in that perfect love that the Trinity shares from before time even began. And that means that God is trustworthy, that God can swear by God's self and keep God's promises. And this is where we're supposed to have an anchor in the soul. Uh, this has been a really hard week. Um, for a lot of reasons for me. Um, the shifting weather, the, um, the Omicron virus taking, um, taking out down so many people in our church um, who are recovering, thanks be to God. But it's been a huge blow uh, to, to, for all of us. Um, the fact that there really are very few places where we can say we're not going to get uh, 
um, infected with this virus. And, and that has huge implications for our world, for our life together, for all these things. And it's been really discouraging. And I've needed the anchor in the soul that God will be faithful to us, that anchor in the soul that refuses to break free. Um, you know, most things are like rickety scaffolding in our lives. When the winds blow and howl, most of that stuff falls apart. Kind of like if you've ever tried to build something very quickly and haphazardly. The winds blow and it falls apart. And there's a few things that remain. And one of them is an anchor, a steel iron anchor that's so heavy you just can't blow it aside. And that anchor in the soul, that's what the author of Hebrews calls it, this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that endures and enters the inner shrine behind the curtain, that Jesus is a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That is the hope that we have, that Jesus has done something in the heavenly temple for us and still is doing it in the heavenly temple, still is there offering these sacrifices for us, the sacrifice of himself once offered, that that sacrifice is still happening. It's still working. It still means that your sins are forgiven. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've hurt, no matter how you've failed, your sins are forgiven. You are accepted and loved by God through his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. And that truth is what is carrying me through this week. That is the truth that is carrying me through, that there is that anchor in our soul, that this is real, that God does show up in time and space in human history in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and is there in heaven offering that high priestly sacrifice for us. So all the stuff we're doing here on this earth for God is part of that ministry that Jesus is doing in the heavenly places. And I've got to remember that today because it slips away really easily. And we think that all that we're doing is just trying to prop up uh, inefficient human institution called the church. Or all we're doing is trying to, to keep our little lives going as best we can. Um, but ultimately what we are doing, what you are doing in the founding of this church and the planting of this church is participating on earth as it is in heaven. You are part of that heavenly ministry, and I hope you can feel that anchor in your soul today. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And suffrages B on 55. O Lord, save thy people and bless thine heritage. Govern them and lift them up forever. Day by day we magnify thee, and we worship thy name ever, world without end. Vouchsafe, O Lord, to keep us this day without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us as our trust is in thee. O Lord, in thee have I trusted. Let me never be confounded.